begin this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 13. 1 Corinthians 1, 1. Apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, and Sosthenes our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who are in every place, call on the name, call, excuse me, with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, considering you, for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So... It is often talked about the many problems in the church of Corinth. But you see here, as Paul talks and he addresses the church at Corinth, you see, he talks in verse 4 about the grace of God which was given to them in Christ. He says in verse 5 that you're enriched in everything by Him in all speech and all knowledge. They can preach it and they know it. They know the Word of God and they can preach it. And the testimony of Christ is in them. They're, no short, they're not short in any spiritual gift. They have spiritual gifts. As they wait for the coming of Jesus. But then he says, I plead with you, brothers, that there be no divisions among you. He says, because I hear there's arguing and contentions. You're quarreling. There's arguing going on. This morning, we, we will examine this church of Corinth. And later on, we will look in 1 Corinthians 13, commonly known as the love chapter. And Paul puts it straight when he says, you know, that Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, though I have the gift of prophecy, 
that I have in all knowledge, you know, and all this, this spiritual <coughs> truth and knowledge, he says, but if I don't have love, I have nothing. And you see that this church here, in this letter, Paul does not commend them for their love for each other like he does in the Ephesian church. Or, for example, I'll just read one off the top here in uh, uh, of this one verse here. You don't have to turn to it and if I can find it. <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter 1. He says... In verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brothers, at His fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God. And there's many of the churches he writes to, he commends them for their love for each other. But you don't see that here. You see that he talks about how they're they're full of spiritual gifts and you know they've re- been recipients of the grace of God and they're full of the knowledge of God and the teachings of the doctrine of God. And they're correct in many things. There's something wrong in this church. And he begins to open up the door about what's wrong. He says you're arguing with each other. And boasting you're puffed up against each other saying well I'm you know, of Paul. I'm a disciple of Paul. I'm a disciple of Apollos. And he asked them later, and he goes, are you just mere men? You just, are you just men? Because the, the children of God are called to a higher calling. And so from there, we go from to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 21. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one another, of on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did not, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us, and indeed I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. 
We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in, the, in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, and if the Lord wills, I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Mm-hmm. So you see here that this is a church in trouble, that there are those that are puffed up against each other, they're walking in pride, and yet it says that they are not short on any spiritual gift, they have all knowledge and all these other things, and he says, I'm writing this to you to warn you. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. And he's warning us not to, again, as this church is living this out, that they are puffed up against each other, they're walking in pride, they're arguing with each other, and this is not just a matter of, you know, church settings, this is a matter of home settings, it's a matter of the way we live. You know, how are we living? How are we walking? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, Imitate God as His dear children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. And you see here, that's not what has happened here. He talks about them being puffed up on behalf of one another, of arguing with each other. You know, somebody can be contentious with us, but it doesn't have to be an argument. It takes two to, it takes two to argue, to have an argument. You know, so there's walking in the love of God. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And you see that As Paul's talking about this here, he's talking about people judging him and judging one another. He says that God is going to be the judge and he's going to bring to light all the things that are in darkness and reveal the counsels or the motives of each person's heart. So we can have a lot of grace toward one another. He, told, he tells us in verse 16, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. And he talks about how 
he was a fool for Christ. He says <clears throat> how they were weak and dishonored, and were in hunger and thirst, and poorly clothed, and beaten and homeless, labor, working with their hands, being reviled, and blessing in return, being persecuting, persecuted and endured it, being defamed or dishonored. And he says, and we encourage in, re in return. People in the church in Corinth were even dishonoring him and dishonoring them and speaking evil of them. In chapter 5, he talks about how they were tolerating immorality. And he says, in verse 2, 5 2, and you are puffed up and have not mourned that he was done this deed might be taken away from among you. He talked about them being arrogant instead of dealing with the problems in the church there. So then he goes to chapter 6. <clears throat> in verse 1, verses 1 to 3, David, you can read that. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saint will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Yeah. How much more things that pertain to this life? Yeah. And in verse 6 it says, But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. And so, and he rebukes them for that, and he said the church should handle these matters, and brethren within the church. But you see, the bigger picture is, there's an unloving spirit amongst the brethren. Even though they have knowledge of the word, and they have spiritual gifts, and all kinds of commendable things that are good and right, they don't have love for one another. They're being unloving for one another. They're suing each other before a court. Brothers within a church. It happens not just in church settings. It happens in families. It happens in marriages. I've heard of people, brother, you know, in, in families, in the world, that they they sue each other for their parents' inheritance and stuff like that. And you think, well, that's terrible. Brothers and sisters in in families doing that. But this is the family of God, and we have to have the same understanding that we treat each other differently. That we're to walk in love towards one another. Jesus said, Inasmuch as you've done it to the very least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. In chapter 8, it says that love, that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. If we have knowledge without love, it's just gonna it's, we're gonna walk in pride. Knowledge is good, it's right. 
The Bible tells us to get wisdom. It also says to get understanding. But without love, as we begin to read, it's not going to be an awful lot of good in it. So from there we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 17. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 to 22. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must be also... Be, there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What do you have? Excuse me, what? Do you have not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? I do not praise you. So, the unloving spirit even plays itself out in their communion uh, meeting when they have take the Lord's Supper. It even comes out in that. It's supposed to be, uh, you know, a celebration of the love of Jesus toward us, and yet here we have, it's hard to believe, we talk about the first century church, and this is a first century church, and what a, and the book of Acts, what a model of, uh, of, uh, of, you know, that we should follow and everything, but you see that it also, you see strange things beginning to happen, even in the first century. An unloving spirit is creeping in in the first century here, to the point where, People are gobbling, it's hard to believe this, but, you know, we look at it, but people are actually gobbling up all the bread and drinking all the wine, and to the point where there's drunkenness, it says. They're drinking all the wine to the point where people are getting drunk and eating all the bread. There's not enough to go around. Just a complete lack of consideration and 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 for one another in, in, a, in the Lord's Supper of all things. So you see that we can have wisdom and knowledge and spiritual gifts. And this is why when we go to chapter 13, the love chapter, that's how Paul starts it off. That's why, because he's seeing all this, this, this unloving spirit in the church he's writing to. And so he, he, correct, he brings the word of correction to them as we... Um, Go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 8. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. 
Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. And thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So you see, in the context of everything we've read so far, why Paul is saying this to this church. And he's saying it to all of us, but you see how why he's addressing the church this way. Because all the issues that this church has of an unloving spirit. And if they have it, an unloving spirit in the church and among the brethren, you know that it's not just going to stop there. It's going to be in their marriages, it's going to be in their families, and it's going to be how they treat people in the world and how they treat people in their workplace and in the marketplace and, on the, and in traffic and everything else, that it's going to come out. Because this is what an example of the way of life, how we treat each other in, in the church. And so, he says, if we have the, the gift of tongues, that we can speak with the, the language of men and of angels, and we don't have love, it says, I have become like a lot of noise. A sounding of a horn, or the clanging of a cymbal. A lot of noise. I remember Kate and I in our younger years when we got married. If one was being unloving to the other, we just just were responsibly like clang, 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 <laughs> you know, like, and we we would you know that would be a check to one another. You know, we're being a lot of noise. We're doing a lot of clanging. And why is that? It's because it says if we do not have love, we don't know God. And that means, you know, where the rubber meets the road. Church, yes. Home, yes. Marriage, yes. Workplace, yes. Everywhere. That we're to walk in love. Imitate God and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Not just to those who are good to us. To love someone who's clanging at us. Making a lot of noise at us. To turn their evil with good. That is the spirit of love that God shed abroad in our hearts. From Romans 8. To walk in it. In order to walk in it, we have to crucify the flesh with its affections and its lusts. It says in Galatians 5. In order to bear the fruit of the Spirit, it says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and its lusts. The affections of the flesh. The unloving spirit is a work of the flesh. Read the, read the works of the flesh. It's just, it's just an unloving spirit. It's all about an unloving spirit. It's anti-Christ. It's everything that Christ is it. And when we feel ourselves getting that way and feel like rising up within our human nature, Paul says, crucify it. That's a, that's a step of faith that 
to know and to believe that we have the power to put these things to death and not walk in them. That is believing the Word of God. We have died with Christ. We are buried with Christ. We have been raised to walk in the new life. And what's the new life all about? Walking in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. Imitating God. Imitation of Christ. Following Jesus. That's what we're raised to, to walk in the new life. He's given it to us. So when we recognize our flesh rising up, we take it as a step of faith we take it and put it on the cross. We crucify it. Yes, it's painful. Crucifixion is painful and uncomfortable. And it's suffering to walk in that way. It's a suffering in the flesh. That's why we read the words, He was suffered in the flesh, a cease from sin. That's what it's talking about. It takes suffering. And, and we read earlier in 1 Corinthians where Paul talked about his suffering. He says, and imitate my way of life. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and have faith that I can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Jesus said without Him, we could do nothing. Without being abiding in the vine, we can't love like Jesus did. The love of Jesus has been put in our hearts but in order to have love to be lived out, Jesus said we must abide in Him. Or we can do nothing. And notice what He mentions here, the gift of prophecy and all knowledge. And all this is what the Corinthian church had. So He's speaking directly to them and about their, directly to their problems. But of course, the Spirit of God is also speaking to us. We can be experiencing God in some level. You know, walking with the Lord on some level, understanding the Bible on some level, doing gifts of works of charity, giving to the poor. That's what he says the next thing. He says, and though I, verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned, but have not love, profits me nothing. It's no good. There's no reward for that. And it's, not the way of the Lord. It's not the way of Christ. It's not just to exercise spiritual gifts and, you know, make converts. We were reminded by Jesus that the Pharisees made converts. Jesus said they travel over land and sea to make one convert. He said, but when you're done with them, he goes, they're worse than you are. making converts of Christ. Go into all the world and make disciples, Jesus says. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe and obey all things whatsoever I commanded. But if we do all that with love, we are going to find sooner or later that we're laboring in vain. Because if we don't have love, it says... It profits me nothing. 
On the day of judgment, it says, Jesus says, that people will come to him and say, Lord, didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? They're exercising spiritual gifts. But he says, depart from me, you work iniquity. And the iniquity that the Corinthian church was found guilty of was an unloving spirit. And that's why he corrects them here. And he confronts them and corrects them in love. And so we need to hear this because this is our challenge every day. Because the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. There's an unloving spirit in the world. The spirit of the world is love those who love us. And do good to those who do good to us. It's not the way of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord teaches us to love the way Jesus did. He gave Himself for sinners. Not for those who loved Him. We were His enemies. While we were still His enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for His enemies. We are enemies of God because we are in rebellion against God. And that's our example, to walk in His footsteps, to return evil with good. That's the love of Jesus that was shed abroad in our hearts. But if we love people and they don't love us in return, we can easily find ourselves being swept up in an angry spirit. In an unloving spirit. In an unchristian spirit. We love those who love us. But we don't love us who are doing evil, especially if they're doing evil to us. Or we see them doing evil to others, evil to their children, evil to people that we love. We can become angry and have an unloving spirit. God forbid. We have to see, as Paul said, I'm not writing this to you to shame you, but to warn you. He's writing this to us. We are all challenged, me and you, we're all challenged by what we're hearing in the book of Corinthians here. That an unloving spirit is a dead end. It profits us nothing, nothing. Zero. A lot of noise. I have become like a banging of a drum, a blowing of a horn. Nothing. If I have not love, I am nothing. And it says, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. It says the word nothing. Nothing. Noise. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) You see, that becoming mature as a Christian and growing and becoming what God wants us to be as a Christian means we're going to have to walk in the Spirit and let the Spirit of love flow through us and crucify the flesh with its affections and its lust of an unloving spirit, of an ungodly spirit of unlovingness. It's not the Spirit of Jesus. Remember, Jesus died for his enemies. 
He loved his enemies so much that he died for them. And that's our example. And when I talk about this, I, I identify with this as much as anybody. Because it's so much in each one of us to, be, to, to feel unloving towards those who have wronged us or those who have wronged others that we love or take advantage of people that we love and use people that we love or hurt people that we love not just us but those that we love and it can become down home and personal to each of us we all feel this in one way or another Love is, suffers long. Verse 4. I've heard a preacher say, <clears throat> long suffering means that you suffer a long time. <clears throat> it's, this, is, takes, this is a lifetime of suffering, the Christian life. We don't want to hear it, but it's actually true. The suffering in the flesh crucifying the flesh and dealing with others and walking in love towards others suffering long means just that love suffers long kindness a kind and gracious spirit a jet the word the reed used to use the word a generous spirit a generous spirit generous of heart in the book of Psalms it says the Lord will enlarge my heart God will enlarge my heart and <laughs> we need a bigger heart we need to grow our hearts need to grow in love you will enlarge my heart not envious of others not jealous of their position their power their authority uh, you know what they have what they don't have, you know, coveting their goods, anything. Love does not parade itself. Not proud. And when it says parading itself, you see the way of the world, look at how I'm built, and they wear skimpy enough clothes to show you how they're built. You know, the way of the world. Look at me. Look at what I can do. And puffing themselves up towards one another. I'm better than you. I can beat you. I can do this better than you. And exalting themselves over one another. It's not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of love. The love of Jesus. It's not rude. It does not behave rudely. We know what that means. Not being sharp with one another and, uh, you know, all kinds of rude stuff that we can do towards each other. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily provoked. You know, some people can be very sensitive, have their, 
nerves, <laughs> the nerve endings right on the surface. Easily provoked. Easily angered. Easily um, can push their buttons pretty easily. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Let's want to meditate on not rejoicing. That love is not rejoice, does not rejoice in iniquity or in sin, but rejoices in the truth. Think about that one. Love bears all things. All the stuff that comes to us, we don't fall away from love. Love doesn't grow cold. It bears it. Love believes all things. One version says love believes the best of others. Hopes all things towards others. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Where everything else fails, love never fails. But if we don't walk in love, we fail. Love never fails. Everything else will fail. Because this is God's way. This is the way of Jesus that He shows us. It's all over the New Testament. It's everywhere you go in the New Testament. You can't get away from it. The recipe for a loving, for a church, marriage, family life, wherever we go, is right here. Success in life is right here. Love never fails. This is what spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is all about. It's not about how much we know. It's not how many spiritual gifts we have. It's not about how many converts we make. All that stuff is good and biblical and right. But at the foundation of all this is the real truth about ourselves that we have to examine ourselves about. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, let all things be done in love. And there's many different ways that's said in the New Testament. Let all things be done in love. Speaking the truth in love. Correcting one another in love. It says in chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love. The Bible says walk in love towards others. Walk in love. That means you're traveling in a direction towards somebody. I heard Dave speak on that one time. That is a direction we're walking in towards people. Walk in love towards one another. Toward them. We're making an effort towards them. Even if they're not making an effort towards us, we are going toward them in love. Think about it. None of this is possible without the love that Jesus puts in our hearts. 
through faith in Christ. That's how it happens. If we believe in Jesus, if we believe the Word of God, well then we know that this is possible. That this is not mission impossible. If the love of God is shed upon our hearts through the Spirit of God that He's given us, then it's there. If we don't see it, then why is it? If we're not living it out, if we're being harsh towards each other, we're arguing with one another, we're arguing, husbands and wives are arguing with each other. Why is that? In order to walk in love, we must first crucify the flesh. We must put to death the deeds of the carnal nature. By the Spirit, if we by the Spirit, Romans 8, if we by the Holy Spirit do put to death the deeds of the flesh, we will live. To be able to do it. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is no condemnation. Romans 8.1 There is therefore no condemnation to those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit, remember, is a spirit of love. Yeah, we feel our feet getting stepped on. I feel my feet being stepped on, you feel your feet being stepped on. But as they say in churches, if your feet are getting stepped on, get them out of the aisle. That means we got to make some changes in our life. That we all need to look at this more carefully and remember it more abundantly and to remind one another of this. To remind one another of our responsibility and obligation to walk in the Spirit and to crucify. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and it's lusts and desires. And finally, we go to the book of Jude, second to last book of the Bible right before Revelation. And I'll stop with this. The book of Jude talks about God's judgment. Dave, if you read from verse 17 to the end of the book of Jude, verse 17 to the end of the book of Jude. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but on others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So in this he talks about the apostles, and you can even read it in Second Peter, warning about the mockers in the last days, and it said they would walk after their ungodly lusts. And he says, they are sensual persons or worldly persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. They're causing divisions. Let's talk about in the church. People in the world, people in the church that are walking in the flesh. And they're, and they're sensual persons. They're, they're, they're walking according to their human senses, their human nature. Carnal. And he says, they don't have the Spirit, he says. But he says to us, he says, but you brothers, building up yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. And this is what we've been talking about today. Keeping yourselves in the love that God has put in our hearts. Keeping ourselves there. And encouraging one another to do that. And to correct one another. Teaching and correcting or warning one another. Is what the Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life. And then he talks about on some having compassion, making a distinction. Some versions say making a difference. We can make a difference in other people's lives we keep ourselves in the love of God. He says, Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, heating even the garment defiled by the flesh. People in the fire are on their way to God, God's judgment, on their way to hell. Pulling them out of the fire. But if we're not walking in the love of God, if we're not keeping ourselves in the love of God, it's not going to work. And so, the admonition here from Jude is to not be worldly and to walk according to our human nature and our inter 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 action with one another. But to walk in love as Jesus loved us and gave Himself for us. That's what I have today, brothers. If you want to open it up for you different brothers to comment on that or Anything else we have to speak on?